The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everyone, it is great to be back. Kevin Goatee, Gutting the Sacred Cow. Some of you have voiced concerns about the recent selection of films in the sense you might have thought they were not up to our high standards. Well, these next few weeks have plenty of high standards. In fact, this week's episode is one I thought would never be attacked. And that, of course, is The Shawshank Redemption, who dares attack one of the most dude-loved films of all time, Jeblund. Who did Kevin Goatee, me, enlist to listen to this argument? Oh, you know I had to invite Bill Schultz, who has written several articles about Shawshank Redemption and has been to the actual prison itself. Does Jeb's argument stand a chance like Andy Dufresne stood a chance with the sisters in the laundry? We're about to find out. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah, it's training right now. Yeah, it doesn't matter because we're good in the sacred cow. Bring us a picture every seven minutes until somebody passes out and then bring one every 10 minutes. Special guest, Bill Schultz. Hi, buddy. Do I guess? Or I yes, wait till the end? Yeah, no, no, you guess that quote. Wolf of Wall Street. No, sir, you are wrong. Oh. We are, no, you're wrong. I see why oh, you think that. What's that? And Wolf of Wall Street. Jeb Lund, welcome. You are the special gutter tonight. Jeb, do you know what movie that quote is from? I'll oh. give it again. Bring us a pitcher of beer every seven minutes until someone passes out and then bring one every 10 minutes. Uh, it's killing me. I like I feel I don't know. I want to say like John Candy is somewhere in the movie, but that's that's the closest I'm getting. And I'm sure it's nowhere close. If I did the accent, it would be a no brainer. Since you both did not get it, I'll do it. Huh, bring us a pitcher every seven minutes until someone passes out and then bring us one every 10 minutes. Back to school. Back to school. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I threw your Ronnie. You know, plagiarized him. 
Yeah. Because they basically just replaced that with Martini and gave and it to five Matthew McConaughey. Yes, they did. If you'd said it was a Kurt Vonnegut movie, I'd have been all over. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Jeb Lund, and the sisters known as Bill Schultz. Welcome to the best movie review slash movie debate podcast where we invite a guest to pick a film they find overrated or hate and trying to convince us to see their argument. But here's the twist. The film must meet one of these criteria. Why the beloved, critically acclaimed, or a financial success. Jeb Lund, and I love the balls on him for doing this, has picked a film I thought would never, ever, ever be on this podcast. I had a list of about 10 to 15. I would say about a third, maybe 40% have now been attacked, or excuse me, attempted to attack. Jeb has selected the absolute treasured classic, 1994 Shawshank Redemption. 1994, as I had just said, a budget at the time of 25 million bucks, a box office haul of 16 million. It bombed, but they did an initial re-release and that brought up the total to 73 million. Now, turn that into 2023 money, a $51.4 million budget, $150 million gross. I everyone's still in shock. It bombed. It's all because of visit, oh, physical yeah. media. And I remember when it came out, I just thought, ah, whatever. No big deal. That was at the AMC four by my house and never saw it. I was too busy seeing Pulp Fiction for the third time when it came out, I think. What a yep. year. Yeah. What a year indeed. Yeah. It was at the dollar theater you could smoke in by then. It was, <laughs> it was important. IMDB, gentlemen, is a scale we all know one through 10 with decimal points. I go to my guest, Jeb Lund first. Jeb, what do you think? Shawshank has scored on the old IMDb. Now, I didn't want to do, because I knew this was coming up, I didn't want to do too much research and kind of like, you know, perfect queer, queer the gambling field here. Um, but I did uh, read something that said that it was at one point the highest ranked movie, like it dethroned The Godfather. So my bet is it's like a 9.8, something near perfect. Bill Schultz. Uh, I'll go eight. Nine, four. Mm, yeah, eight. Wow, that's when super low. We're gonna go to it's gonna be what I'm done. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) brass confidence critics one through 100 Rotten Tomatoes score. Bill Schultz, you know the drill. What did the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give this film? 90%. 90. Jeb Lund, uh, yeah, I mean, like I'd say 93. Something like that. One of you is about to win two showcases on the Fabulous Prices, right? And that is Bill Schultz, 91. I never get it. <laughs> I mean, you didn't get it, but you got damn close to get both showcases. Close enough. close enough. That's good. Jeb, to you, what did the audience give this movie? Oh, God. Like, how many more over 100 can you get? Can you get, like, a five-point grace period and roll it up over? I just feel like the audience score for this is bananas. Are you gonna have the balls to give it the old one hundred or no? Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go nine point eight again, ninety eight. Ninety eight. Bill Schultz. Um, I'll take the lower ninety seven. One of you has won both showcases and is dead nuts on, and that person is Jeb Lund, ninety eight. Oh yeah. You gotta think that the whole the whole line about uh. The knife going through the head with the blowjob. That's got to deter some people in the South. I can't believe it's that high. 
or in some of those, you know, born again churches, an absolute yeah. meta, an absolute Viagra for those people. Oh, actually, good point, Sam. And then well, on the other hand, there's got to be a whole bunch of people who've never seen this not on cable, right? Because it's never not been on cable. You wouldn't need to rent it. Yeah. If they if they do, they're going to get a lot of nasty surprises <laughs> if they're one yeah. to clutch pearls. That's for sure. Quotes. Some birds aren't meant to be caged. And of course, the obvious fresh fish, fresh fish, <laughs> which is which is yelled every time Bill Schultz walks into a gay bathhouse. Just we just call them bathhouses. <laughs> and here's it recognize you after a while. It's got to be insulting. It's like, I got a name, guys. Come on. I know. After a while, I, I become institutionalized. Yeah, and I'm no longer fresh fish. <laughs> the next one is, is this, this next one. It, I equivocate this to every like 80s, 90s action film where they give off that wannabe tough cliche line. And this one is. You're going to look fucking sorry. You're going to look funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. That I mean, really sounds yeah. Like, yeah. I've been known to lo locate certain things from time to time. I say that often. <laughs> and the obvious get busy or get busy dying. Sorry, get busy living or get busy dying. The obvious. Jeb Lund, any quotes jump out at you? Uh, actually, the one that I wrote down in my notes and somebody brought it up on Twitter today as like, I, I, you know, a critique on my person was the, how can you be this obtuse? <laughs> yeah. which, which is like, you know, and I, I replied to this guy on Twitter with it, but like, that's a mirror, Andy. Like, how, you know, like I, I'm reminded of the quote from The Wire when uh, Sterling uh, uh, Stringer Bell is like, you know, homeboy, is you taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy? It's like, what did you think was going to happen when you became a part of this embezzlement scheme, this guy was going to be like, fly away, little bird. We right. hate to see you caged. Like, no, you're part of it now. What are you doing? <laughs> Any other quotes from you, Jeb? Uh, man. If not, no big don't deal. Know. Don't have the record break. I mean, you already took all the ones about dick sucking with no teeth, which were, you know, near and dear to my heart. But <laughs> that struck a familiar chord in your nether regions. Bill Schultz. I know you've got something. And it crawled to freedom through 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I don't want to. 500 yards. That's the length of five football fields, just shy of half a mile. And yet, 500 yards is not even a third of a mile, fans. Yes, I have that. I have that yeah. notes, too. Um, Bill, that's a fantastic Scatman Carruthers. You've been working on that. Uh, that was the guy that played Red, right? I yes. thought it was very spot on. No. Okay, good. good. I'm being uh, silly is what I'm being. Yes. <laughs> You're being silly and obtuse. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. Then, you know, I kind of already said the institutionalized saying, but Jesus, Andy, I couldn't hack it on the outside. Been here too long. I'm an institutional man now, just like Brooks. And then, of course, uh, sort of like a uh, kind of fixes a difference in the book. Why they call you red? Maybe it's because I'm uh, I'm Irish. As in the book, he really was Irish. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Just ordered and arrived today from Amazon. So now I'm going to uh, indulge myself and take notes of the differences. Five fun facts. After finishing the script for the movie, Darabont took the Shawshank Redemption to Castle Rock, the production company you might remember from Seinfeld. Rob Reiner, one of the co-founders of Castle Rock, loved the script. In fact, he loved it so much, he wanted to direct it himself. 
He offered Darabont a couple million for this script, but Darabont had steadfast that he wanted to direct. Mm-hmm. The Shawshank tree, number two, became a bit of a tourist attraction. Then in 2011, the tree was struck by a bolt of lightning. Yes. While the Very tree's... natural. Oh. Did, did someone decide to go and carve Wonder Bat out of it? <laughs> I was going to say it got attacked by the Bruckheimer logo. <laughs> that is a nice, nice. Never there been a, more, a the logo more like a man. It was just very Bruckheimer. While the tree stayed up, it was damaged. And in 2016, the strong winds finished the job of taking down the Shawshank tree. In 2017, they cut the tree down and in true garbage people mentality, used the tree to make Shawshank memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And, Very you, know, and you know some dickbag is going around knocking trees down going this is the tree where Andy and his <laughs> wife supposedly made love and then Red found the rock right by it too by the remember, way this pencil $75 <laughs> remember when we were growing up there were info there weren't infomercials but just selling yeah just lawn lawn commercials late at night of people selling pieces of the original cross <laughs> and there, I, I know I had relatives that, that got fucking paid twenty dollars for like a little uh, splinter someone got at a restaurant. I used to be friends with this guy who his dad was one of those nerd. Uh, by the way, his dad ended up being a convicted pedophile. His uh, his dad, yeah, wow. his dad was one of those nerds who had the like. If you want to call it a talent or luck. He would call up radio stations and win tons of stuff off of it. Concert tickets, you name it. He actually won a piece of the Berlin Wall. Nice. Uh, if indeed that was the Berlin Wall. I, I love the fact that your friend's dad was the dad from One Crazy Summer. That's that's awesome. <laughs> he won. Yeah. Or he was Laszlo in Real Genius. Yes. But he ended up being Jeffrey Jones in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So (laughs) (laughs) this movie has a sordid ending. Number three, the $5,000 check that Darabont signed over to Stephen King to get the rights for the novella. Stephen King never cashed that check. Granted, he did not need the money by 1994, but King took things further. He framed the check, sent it back to Darabont and included a note that read, in case you ever need bail money, love Steve. That's pretty cool. Now, in 2023 dollars, that bail money would need to be zero because everyone's getting out on zero bail here in New York City. Right. Right, Bill. Right. Still not enough if you're a pedophile, though. That's true. Yeah. Let's talk about people who were approached to play red. Schultz, I'm pretty sure you know a lot of these because you did your due diligence in a paid article. Jeb, want to take a stab about who wanted it was approached to play red all four of these guys monsters in the 70s one even more so in the 80s and 90s i'll give you the four names fire them out see if you have any schultz if you don't know this then you can jump into i remember reading and i'm gonna feel like a a cheat the only one that if i like try and do too many the only one i know for sure i'm pretty sure well i should say pretty sure i saw gene hackman i did not see that one I did not see that on the list. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but not on my list. Okay. Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Harrison Ford. Too young to play Red at that point. I think. Robert Redford did a good prison movie, though. You know, he's got, he was, Mm. we saved it up for later. 
And you know it wrote, Road to Perdition, that was a Stephen King movie, right? So you got Paul Newman equivalent yep. right there. Sure. You know what needed to break out of uh, Robert Redford? All those cysts on his face. They needed to break out and to go to Dr. Pipple Popper post-haste. That joke you know is going to get cut. Ones on, and Clint Easter would have been maybe good was uh, ones, ones for playing the warden. Uh, people that were almost cast to play the warden. I almost feel like Clint Eastwood could have brought something to that. You guys want to take a guess on who was a, who was approached to play Andy Dufresne? Schultz, I know you know a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Ahead, I, I, I saw Tom Cruise and like, oh my God, no. Like you do not. Like how do you understand movies? What are you doing? <laughs> well, that's why I told him no. <laughs> Listen, he said no because he couldn't run with his arms scissoring in a manic motion in this film. Right. There was no running for Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Tom, Cru Tom Cruise is one. Tom Hanks is another. Couldn't do it because of Forrest Gump commitment. Kevin Costner, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, and Charlie Sheen. Oh, my God. I got two other weird ones. Um, Jeff Bridges and Kevin Costner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Weird. Could, Bridges could do it, but Kevin Costner is just way too weepy already. Like he's Also, Bridges boy. is really good with that sort of lawn bane slicked back hair thing that Andy had back then. Like, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you, you picture him in that, uh, what is it, uh, Tucker, a man in his dream. Like, he, walk, he rocked that look in a lot of movies. Yeah. How about Lebowski? I mean, he had that greasy look there, too, kind of, with the hair. Yeah, oh, yeah, pulled back. definitely. Number five, although it is never directly stated in the film, allegedly Brooks is in prison for murdering his wife and daughter after a losing streak at poker. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got one more casting fun fact. I'm all ears. Boy, would uh, Andy not have an issue with the sisters if this happened. Gil Bellows of Gil Bellows fame is the guy that played Tommy Williams. Yep. But they originally wanted Brad Pitt. Can I saw that. that I, that's right. Coming into <laughs> yeah. Andy's days with the sisters would be long over. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would be the lead blocker as Andy ran a running back screenplay on that. He's like, yeah, guys, you have fun. I'm just going to run to freedom and not get raped. <laughs> Let's go to. Oh, this this has to be one of the most asked questions uh, for a segment called Ask a Gutter. At Mike Keegan, I want to know which uncle touched them to make the way they are for hating this film. Uh, no uncles. I just I, I had a subscription to TBS and uh, expanded basic cable and like eventually familiarity breeds contempt. I mean, which I is, can hang out with that guy for a couple hours if he wants me to feel that way about him. Come on, man. Well, listen, and that's why people love Christmas Story. And I hated it from jump. And it's only because of TBS that that film is ingrained in people's yeah. minds. Wrongfully so. It's a, it's a turd. At Chris Williams, ask him what it feels like to have no soul follow up. If they don't like Paddington, they must be conditioned to misery and also must be a Mets fan. <laughs> Paddington 2 is better, but Paddington's great. I don't have a soul, but like apart from not being able to open the uh, automatic doors of the grocery, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. And also Paddington 2 is a prison movie. It is. Yeah. I just, I just finally saw that not long ago. Enjoyed him. At Darius Stevens, you're kidding, right? No. At Rich Retta, the person. <laughs> <laughs> Succinct, I'm a fan of that. At Rich Retta, the person who dislikes Shawshank is the same person who bought from Justin to Kelly on Blu-ray. I don't. Is it, It's Justin Timberlake, isn't that? Or is it? Is no, 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 no. How dare you? How dare you besmirch the great Justin Guarini? <laughs> Sorry. I only know that because it was going to be Justin yeah. Long. Like maybe you know they put a Mac in a movie, or 
or Justin Tuck, Giants defensive tackle, two-time Super Bowl champion. Thank you. No. Ten uh, figures. No, that's JP. Yeah, exactly. Unlike JPP, who has a six and a half. At Buzz Whelan, I have nothing to say to a person who does not appreciate the greatness of the Shawshank Redemption. This is a person not worthy of my attention. Thanks for your tweet. At John Anderson, who cares? Probably someone too young that wouldn't appreciate a movie over 20 years. It's common. I was born during the Carter administration, sir. (laughs) At Melinda Ulrich, they obviously have no cinematic taste at all. Well, that's just plain wrong. I don't know. Like, I mean, I can't show them a, uh, a photo of my extensive stolen DVD collection, but I, I assure you it's top notch. Ask at Bobby, uh, Bobby Umar. Oh, my God. Ask him when they lost all hope for life. Uh, 14. Fair. At Joe Rombi, it's a great movie, except in, in no way in reality that Andy would have been in the same cell for all those years. Alone, no less. Right. How did no he get that? Him. Unless again, he's bribing the 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 guards with something. At Sean Hopkins, I'm so confused as why the paper did not ask for comment, just arrive with the cops. But it is a small town. Still a great movie. More of a statement. There's a lot of holes. At Steve Lamana, Shawshank was the best movie in one of the greatest years for movies of all time. Statement, not a question, but appreciate you. He did name the other movies, and I'll point out that one of the other ones was Pulp Fiction, and it took 14 more minutes to tell twice as many stories as this turgid hunk did. Mm-hmm. So I think. <laughs> I see. At Glenn Jones, way too many plot holes in the escape. They want us to believe that over 20 years, they never discover the tunnel, despite overzealous guards who ransack the cells daily. On top of that, the warden himself has a safe behind a picture. So hiding contraband, or in this case, a tunnel, isn't inconceivable and would most definitely have been discovered behind a poster, which is somehow perfectly is put back up after he escapes. Oh, and after 20 years, despite the harsh conditions, horrible food and sometimes daily beatings. None of the prisoners except Andy. I'm sorry. None of the prisoners, including Andy, have aged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're in Maine, so there's not a lot of sun, you know, so their skin is going to look healthier over that time. Also, but but to to play the flip side, lack of vitamin D. Well, they get yard time, you know, and I don't know. You can have that as a supplement in the food. Probably not because it's prison food, but whatever. And also we've learned that they really like working on roofs. (laughs) Just for a bucket of suds, you know, feel like a real oh, man. Yeah, makes a man feel like a man. Chris Stevens at Hokey ninety underscore ca. How can Andy Dufresne six foot four fit in the warden's five foot eight suit in the end? Isn't that a that major plot hole? I looked this up because uh, I saw that one too. Bob Gunton is six foot two. Oh my gosh! Wow, lawyers. Yeah, Tim Robbins is just a giant. Like he really throws it off the curve. But we're the yeah. five foot eight coming. That's that's a fact. That's been fact checked. So good for you. I didn't do that. At Rex Crumb, since you since you deserve to be locked up for hating Shawshank, name three prison movies that you think are better. Well, Paddington Two. We just covered that. Um, <laughs> there. Uh, you know, I like I I am not a big like prison genre guy. Um, there's that one guy who makes all those like weird reactionary like violent movies. Who just did like some escape from a prison movie. That might be better. I watched Lockup, so I can't claim that that's better. No. With Stallone? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a turd. I never saw that, but I heard it was terrible. I I saw it when it came out, and like I was old enough to not make good decisions at that point, so I'm going to put it down to that. Right. 
But I don't know. Like, I, you know, that's not really a genre like men, you know, like caged heat. If it's women's prison, sure, I've seen it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, but yeah, like men's prison movies, I'm not like, where, where do I get the next one? American Me. Does The Rock count? I was going to say The Rock, Schultz, you yeah, son of yeah. a bitch. The Rock, death. I mean, how about one more? I mean, this takes place sometimes in a prison. Demolition, man. Yeah, terrific. If Demolition counts, then so does Tango and Cash. Also, sure. a much better Bob Gunton movie. I have that. And oh, shit, that's You'll right. See. Yep. Good oh, afternoon, wow. Warden William Smithers. Be well. Next one. <laughs> I love Demolition, man. Matt Ramato, it's a composite of prison movies. King wrote the short story that way, but that's cinema in a nutshell. Earnestness and comedy don't really go well together, which is why it's a great movie for this podcast format. Thank you. I think Shawshank is great, despite not necessarily being perfect. Yeah, fair. Look, enjoy it, man. You know, that's the, that's your weekend. Do what you want with it. <laughs> I think I said that's your weakness. That'd be funnier. <laughs> at the big Nick J, at the big Nick J, he's the one who gave you the uh, how could you be so obtuse gif? He says anyone, anyone who dislikes that movie and that's the gif. At the Jacked Up Review Show podcast, I wanted to take on this manure, but I'm glad he's roasting it. Why is it regarded as a classic when it flopped hard at the time? I don't know. I don't think that's really a fair question. Like commercial value isn't, you know, doesn't really speak how well it does. There's, I'm, I'm, none of them are coming to me right now, but like, well, you know, if we sat down. Life. It's yeah. a Wonderful Life was a huge bomb. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Big Lebowski was panned in theaters and never made anywhere near what Fargo did. And yet Office Space, Office yes. Space. Christmas Story. By, yeah. You know, and, and yet like it was in and out. It was in the dollar theater immediately. I don't even think it gave it first run. Showgirls. Oh, never mind. <laughs> you are a prisoner at Ohio State Reformatory. What character do you want as your cellmate and why? And that, of course, from Mr. Great Question himself at Lord Snurts. Uh, man, okay, so nobody fucks with Brooks, even though he's old, right? Like, he has been harassed. He has access to books, which I can't, like, write to the legislature every week for six years. Sure you can. He's You've got nothing but time in your hands. <laughs> and you know if something goes wrong with his his other hobby you know free chicken so <laughs> you know I, I love that i love that you know what he also has at his disposal a crow an attack crow those crows are mean sons of bitches he could have them fight people off big time right no they're smart and you want to in in that now i'm gonna be honest with you in that situation you want a raven honest to god but mm -hmm. a crow a crow gets you there <laughs> Back to the Jacked Up Movie Review Show podcast. Why does it rip off scenes slash frames from Birdman of Alcatraz and Cool Hand Luke? Why is Oz infinitely better? Man, okay, so I don't know. I haven't seen Birdman of Alcatraz or um, the other one in cool a while. Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke, yeah. I mean, I think part of it has got to be just like parallel construction. There's not a lot you can do with the prison space. It wouldn't surprise me that some of it was just like poached for this. Um, Oz is better because like Oz... You know, they didn't invent prison, you know, brutality and torture in the 80s and just hope that Tom Fontana noticed and made a TV series about it. Oz was the first one that was like, look, this is probably the defining characteristic of being in prison, not being put in further pain and torment. What if we focused on that? And I think that's what people are connecting with is like, because we know implicitly like, Prison is a place you absolutely don't want to go to. But if you look at most of the media about it, it's like, well, you know, you get a lot of reading done. You know, you get jacked up. 
You yeah, jack. you can smoke. Yeah, no one cares that you smoke. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not getting laid as a free man, so I'd rather go to a place <laughs> where I'm alone with my thoughts, three square meals a day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Next question. At Newark Knight, Brandon Oglesby. This is a great one. Which of the three posters is your favorite Hollywood icon? Rita Hayworth, Malin Monroe, or Raquel Welch? Ah, uh, man. Um, like I, I was too young for the Raquel wave to hit me. That was more like a, you know, like a parents' nostalgia thing. And and you know, Marilyn, like that just feels like, oh, what's your, you know, what's your favorite drink? Coke. You know, like what? What do you think about it for a second? Like that. That's too easy. So I'm going to go with Rita. Schultz, Rita Hayworth, and the Shawshank Redemption was the name of the actual uh, yep. Stephen King short story. I will go um, with Raquel Welsh just because not only were those two bags of fun real, but yep. she also had that sort of evil look about her that I really dig. It's, yeah, uh, I don't know. She looks like the she, out of all out of all three of them, she looks like the best time. She sure does. I will. Yeah, nice. I will. I will re-raise your Raquel Welsh by saying the evil streak. That's a great call. You know why? Because one of my all-time favorite photos that hangs in my favorite hotel in Las Vegas, the Cosmopolitan, the photo, the infamous photo of her giving the side eye to Jane Mansfield when Jane Mansfield's massive fun bags are spilling out and she's given the bitch please look, even though those two are friends. That's funny. I hate to tell you this though. I believe that's Sophia Loren. Not that's Raquel what I meant. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. That's completely yeah, right. But it's still I, a great photo. Yeah. Also, I noticed there was no there was no actual return for the reference, and they make a lot of weird pop culture references. The same Shawshank Redemption Raquel Welsh poster is also in the Flash, but it's a really weird scene where they have it up, and you're like, "There's going to be some sort of Shawshank thing going on here, like something's hidden underneath it." But it's just there, and then they move on, and it's in the same scene where they're making all these other pop culture references, but it's just sort of wasted. It's very strange. Follow-up question. Would you have preferred Stephen King's original ending from the novella or the Frank Darabond ending? I forget what the original one is, and I read that stupid thing. I definitely recall liking the movie better, one of those rare ones. Uh, Jesus, what was the original ending? I never read the book. I, I just ordered it, so I'll let you know in a week or so. Yeah, I'm a writer. Yeah. I don't read. I feel like there's a finite number of words I can read. I'm like President Trump in that there's a finite amount of working out you can do. There's a finite number of <laughs> words you can read. And if I'm going to make them, I can't read them somewhere else because then I'm going to. So, no, no idea. I'm trying to remember. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. That's it's like working at a restaurant, eating the food that you make all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know that that shrimp is stored in an ice bucket to prop open the back door. Come on. <laughs> I used to work One at a restaurant. Believe me, I can tell stories. <laughs> One thing that I definitely remember, speaking of whole plot holes and literally, is that in the book, Andy makes it a point to smuggle $100 into his rectum to get it into the prison. And that's how he's able to pay Red for all the stuff he gets, including all of those hammers and everything. Uh, and they don't establish that at all in the movie. He, Red just gets it for him. And we don't know how, what, what to do. I, I would love I would love to know that. But by the way, Andy could start his own U.S. Mint and the value of the dollar would be one dollar would be ten thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah, Andy was doing good for himself. At Bjorn the Viking, Ken Bjorn Turner. This is the movie that defines the remote test. Jeb, the, the remote test. I coined that phrase. It, it's a it's a film where wherever you stumble upon it at any point in cable, do you drop the remote? And, you know, is there half an hour left, an hour left? It doesn't matter how much time's left that you finish the film. So that's Ken Bjorn Turner. He said, I am in such shock. I can't even think of a question to ask. 
No, that's fair. I, I know that people feel that way about this movie. My my partner on the, uh, we do a, a podcast where we review every Dennis Quaid movie in a row. And her <laughs> term for that is Poppy Fields movie. And like, I know people who are like that with Gladiator, with uh, uh, what's his name? The Big Lebowski. I feel that way about Master and Commander. If I see that, it's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to watch guys in a shit play cello. Oh, we're, we're doing it here, right here. That. Oh boy, do I hate the big Lebowski? That, but that's another. That was another podcast where another guest did it, and I, I co-signed on that. By the way, the Dennis Quaid podcast. How did Jaws three hold up? Well, look, I mean, you have to understand, Dennis was on a lot of cocaine at the time, yes. right? So you're getting cocaine, Dennis. Um, it's still like everything that I mean, it's not scary anymore. But the fact that the shark can go in reverse and also goes, Ur. yeah, which like I didn't know that. <laughs> That sharks had that level of like menacing indigestion. Well, obviously, you forgot Jaws 4, where he jumps out of the water, impales himself on a broken ship mast, and screams in pain. Right. But that was, yeah. I mean, they took the inspiration from three. They had to go further, they had to uh-huh. expand it. He had to, he had to actually wail. Three kind of wet your appetite for this unknown shark property. They, they dropped the ball on having the shark go in verse in, in the revenge. But I mean, they didn't I have mean- Michael Caine in it. So what are you going to do? I mean, that's gilding the lily with that bellowing out as he got impaling himself. <laughs> Next one at Bango 2331. Here's my question. Would Jeb get turned out, be an enforcer or try to lead a prison gang? Which turned gang out. would he join? It <laughs> turned out that's my first guess. Too. <laughs> Which gang would he join? <laughs> that's true. Which gang would he join and how long would his anal integrity last on the inside? Not long. Uh, look, there's a, you know, the, if you've seen 30 rock in the first season, Jack dates uh, actress, Emily Mortimer is this very wispy, Smoke very show. pretty, yeah, very pretty English actress. And she says, I have avian bone syndrome, hollow bones. And then every time she, you know, shakes, somebody shakes her hand, she just winces. <laughs> That's me. I have avian bone syndrome. I'm not like, I am compressed down to a Rubik's cube of like just deconstructed, like phosphorus and calcium or I'm turned out. There's just one or the other. And I'm probably going to stick with the one where I stay alive barely. So someone plunges their man inside of you and you just turn into a cloud of dust. Like you drank the wrong grail of Indiana Jones and last crusade kind of a kind of episode there. Yeah. Like watching a can crush itself from the inside. That's just like those millionaire divers did in the old submarine. By the way, guys, um, I have a live on air fact check I'm going to do on myself. Actually, technically, the the real the first title for Stephen King's uh, book was Anal Integrity. And (laughs) (laughs) by the way, by the way, best up and coming punk band you haven't heard of yet. Anal Integrity. (laughs) At Ray Sicanus Almighty Ray. What? How? Not possible. This might be the easiest movie defense in show history. Question. The name of this movie is awful. What are the other worst movie titles you can think of? Oh, man. Um, you could make a case for the assassination of uh, Jesse James, James by the coward. coward, Robert Ford. Yeah, that's if terrible. only because I used to have a DVD player that like, you know, you had an option where you could do, you know, time counting up or reverse time or what the DVD was playing was. And when you watch that, it just said that I was watching the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, that description perfectly matches my thoughts on that film the ass <laughs> another bad one mac and me yeah <laughs> what uh, a lady. that movie i think it's a perfect title sir oh wow that that's uh that one is being worse than watching than having the stri- the, the sisters on an endless loop raping you in the shower it's it's unbelievable that i don't there's very few americans that can watch mac and me now and everyone does 
and not think of Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh, yeah. With his running joke on Conan, longest running one ever. He shows a clip from Mac and me for every single one of his movies. <laughs> he, all, he also is in Halloween 5 or 6, one of those uh, early Michael Myers films. Fun fact number and he hasn't aged today. No, no. Him and Tom Rick. Cruise have Tom and him and Tom Cruise are buying the best H.E.H. and big, drinking the best runaway blood from uh, Mormon missioners. That's my assumption. Seriously, why hasn't there been an article on what they do? At pedestrian, is there a special solitary continent that just loops this over and over? Yeah, North America. <laughs> Fair. He also says it becomes it has become, excuse me, like a lazy man's top five pick for a few decades. Yeah. At Kevin Israel, normal co-host of this show, but here we are. Yes. Question for you. Are you telling me you never dug a tunnel through a concrete wall and then hit it with a poster of a scantily clad woman? Also, who hurt you? No, I have. And that's why I take umbrage with how the movie presents it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a tutorial that Jeb has done, and guys, it ain't Shawshank. It's on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> it's called the ass. Yeah, he, he has the he, he has the dad from A is for Ali helping that uh, produce that as well as Mr. Beast. Be on the lookout for that. At Joe loves Kim. Last one, guys. This is the longest ask a gutter I've ever been privy to. Wow. Are the nineteen 19- right? Or 1995 Best Picture nominees, the most impressive group of nominees ever. Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Quiz Show, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Three of the best movies ever and two excellent movies. I never saw Four Weddings and a Funeral, but uh, the oh, other one's delightful. It's is delightful. It? Four Weddings yes, and a Funeral is a fucking it. great movie, but the reason why it didn't win, and I can say it in a matter of words, just imagine me being Andy McDowell going, is it raining? I hadn't noticed. That's why. Your female lead can like, be outacted by an inanimate carbon rod. That's why. <laughs> and oh. Fuck Forrest Gump. Fuck it. Oh, I can't get the fuck out of here. I'm okay. sure you won't be surprised that it, like it was like one of the first five got in the sacred cow. He's absolutely was, right. Was, God people, bless. People still come on and, and and no one angrier than and that's when I as a <laughs> I was 17 when that came out, Pulp Fiction. No one and that's where I lost my faith in the Oscars. You mean to tell me? That of the three cited, Quiz Show's good. I don't know if I would put it in, in that. I don't think I could put it in that, that triumvirate. Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump wins. Forrest, Pulp Fiction was the best film of that year. Hands goddamn down. If Shawshank would have won, I could have taken a nice, you know, console, consolation prize. That's like the home, uh, the home game version of. But Forrest Gump blows it is nostalgic nonsense for the boomers it's a soundtrack which my my parents have the film is overrated as shit thank I you i don't yeah, think that there's ever been a bigger hit that has had a more revisionist fuck you look at it than forrest gump well, like, I would, so, uh, everyone uh, it's like it's like now you know how everyone now claims they were wood at woodstock everyone now claims that they hate forrest gump when it was like the biggest number one movie. <laughs> I was early ass money on that. I was so. Oh, pissed. yeah. I, well, you know, I hate to say it. I think I might have liked it the first time I saw it, but I was young. I was dumb. Right. I was in love with Tom Hanks. I think another contender for that, uh, Woody Allen's Manhattan. Used to be like best cinematography, beautiful media, the use of Gershwin, one of his more cerebral but still accessible films. And it's like, but he's fucking Mariel Hemingway and she's in high school. And you should have had a problem with that at the time. Yeah, creeps. It's that is so the, true. 
The clues were all there, people. It's like Michael Jackson. We all knew. We just looked the other way. <laughs> just like OJ. That is going to close Ask a Gutter, the longest running Ask a Gutter. Hopefully everyone's still with us because all your questions got asked because I knew that this would open up Pandora's shitstorm oh box. Oh my god! Right when I heard it, th- I knew this. Was I knew you were my first. You were my. You were my first call, Schultz. You were. Thanks, now I listen. Pissed you, you're pissed that you have what? I'm just pissed I don't have my T-shirt. I can't oh. find it. I'm starting to panic. Listen, no one listens in a podcast. That's why we do our plugs right now. Let's go, Jeb Lund. What do you want to promote? What are you up to, buddy? Talk to me. So I already mentioned the the Quaid in full podcast that I do on Dennis Quaid. The other one I do is with, uh, you know, if we got any sports fans listening. Oh, yeah. You've read old, you've read old Deadspin or you read Defector. I have a podcast with David Roth. Uh, we met back, you know, on the Internet and I wrote at Gawker Media at uh, the same sort of same time. Uh, we got really bummed out by the uh, 2016 election and people, you know, like sending us emails going like, I want to tie you to a tree and hang you like a you know, person who likes black people deserves to be hanged. And we were no. like, let's, let's do something where nobody issues us death threats. Let's do a podcast. that's only about nice shit and nothing bad ever happens to anybody. And we decided to do Hallmark original movies. So that just, is amazing. Oh my God. Tell me you got Dan, you got Dana McKellar and uh, DJ Tanner from full house to guest on this. Uh, no, we haven't. In fact, like they probably wouldn't like you because we're, we're like the thing is we wanted like don't be mean, right? Because like you know you watch like you listen to how did this get made and like somebody you know like they'll play a they'll talk about a scene and somebody has like a funny line and somebody else has a funny line. It gets to the fifth guy and he's like, why would you even wear that shirt? What are you stupid? And you're like, what are you doing, man? Like you're just being mean for no reason. And the thing is, like these are movies that are meant to be sort of watched while you fold laundry. Like you can't oh, get that worked up about it. I so saw like why. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. But like one of the few things that we don't like a whole lot is Candace Cameron Bure and Danica McKellar. They're just like, it's just tough. It's just really, really tough. So we don't do those movies anymore. I can't interview them and like, well, some of the work you do is really provide. No, I'm going to, I'm going to lie. Like it's not going to be comfortable. I love, love Winnie Cooper. There's always a special place in my nether regions for her. And I stopped listening to how did this get made when they had every improv asshole go on and scream their thoughts as a punchline. <laughs> Which is why I hate improv. Thank you, thank you, Bill. Always my, uh, always my Statler to my Waldorf. It's so true, Bill uh, Schultz. But, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, so, Jeb. Oh, but but just to wrap it up, it's called It's Christmas Town. It's on every podcast platform you can think of. And if you you don't have to watch the movie, if you have seen five minutes of a Hallmark movie, you'll know what we're talking about. That's, you know, just hop in. It's just two dudes who occasionally start doing Mike and the Mad Dog impressions when they're like, <laughs> uh, you know, you had to break with it. You had to break up with the Mikey. You had to do it. You know, like, so we'll just, you know, there we go. So Paulie produced. I listen every day still. We could talk off air. Uh, my <laughs> old pal, Bill Schultz. What are you doing? Well, Jeb, aside from this little sling, the arrow, all of it that is Shawshank, uh, I, you have to come on our show yeah all we do is talk about nice things although it's still a hard r uh my 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 <laughs> actress co-host jo- my actress joey my actress co-host joanne goodhart still getting used to her new new last name all she ever wanted to do was star in a hallmark movie and i love dennis quaid and cocaine and one other Hell reason yeah. <laughs> and one other reason is uh speaking of deadspin will leach the founder, yeah. he is a regular on our show. Oh, so nice. we would love to have you on. It's called Morning on CompoundMedia.com, um, Monday through Thursday, 
12 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I'm annoying, but Joanne's fun to look at. Kev's on all the time. Yep. Check it out. Sure. Uh, but yes, I will be recruiting you after the show. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Will Le- Will Leach did uh, the the podcast. I I got to find out which I forgot which episode it was, but I'm gonna give him a a, a goose and a half. I forget what was the movie he did. He, I don't it know. Was really good. I loved it. I'm I'll I'll get back to you when I'm uh, vamping for you. I'm not gonna vamp for time while we do this. KevinGoatee.com. More importantly, guttingthesacredcow.com. Make sure you pop on there, grab a hat, mug, shirt, whatever, just to support your favorite movie debate, movie review podcast. You know we love those five star ratings and two or three sentence reviews on your podcast platform of choice. That is a huge help for us. I thank you kindly in advance for doing that. Tell a friend, more importantly, about this podcast, how much you love it. And if you want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Bill, it is now time to give Jeb all the runway he needs to try and just choke the life out of Good old Shawshank Redemption. So let's have him gut the sacred cow. Oh, Bill, real fast. Will Leach, Jojo Rabbit was the one he did. Oh, that's right. I love it. I haven't even seen it yet. Um, And also, I wish I had reading glasses right now so I could put them like right here over my nose and kind of do this as Jeb speaks. And look down upon like like, like a library, like when you go to Barnes and Noble and you ask for the for the fiction section and they give you that disapproving look like the oh, fiction. (laughs) What a what a peon. Or when Whoopi Goldberg does it on The View, just like child. Mm. Uh, I'm more disgusted. You watch. I'm more disgusted that you watch The View. God, you have way too much free time. I, yeah, that's true. Jeb, take it away. Uh, this is pretty long, so I was tempted to like work in a little slow intro and then be like, no, I don't want to get off on a rant here because it's long. But here we go. Director Frank Darabont described the Shawshank Redemption as a tall tale, but there's a better one for Shawshank. It's a summer camp movie for grownups or a boarding school movie for people who couldn't afford to send their kids to Andover and have them get anally fingered for their first year by Henry Cabot Lodge's (laughs) great-grandson, Cubits. It's got all the beats. New guy has to figure out where to sit at lunch, has to figure out what safe recreation, has to triumph over bullies and make new friends, has to get good at some sport or craft that wins the day when nobody expects it, and then he's got to pop that cherry and beat the evil rich kids from the camp across the lake. Only in this case, the hymen is the walls of Shawshank Prison, and the evil rich kids are the warden and the guards. Bravo. What a metaphor already out of the gate. This has got to be an article. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definite think piece on Substack. I'm looking for hey, this later. The, hey, I'll tell you what: the 30th anniversary is coming up next year. Yeah. All right, we'll just we'll just reprint this and we'll put in like we'll we'll footnote some extra profanity. Um, and anyway, this is the part where I'm like, if you like Shawshank, I get it. I mean, like it's on cable. I'll leave it on. You know, if I see it, I'll leave it on the channel for a half an hour. I'm I'm no different. I'm just saying we need to stop lying to ourselves about what it is. I'll start you off on an easy one. What's Andy Dufresne's personality? Quiet, uh, meticulous. I'll stop you here because he doesn't have one. The closest they come to giving him one is Red's narration, which describes him as like a man in a park without a care or worry in the world, like he had on an invisible coat that would shield him from this place. Really? It doesn't shield him from rape. That's like the next thing that happens. And that's not Tim Robbins' acting or the movie showing you that. That's narration telling you. And the narration doesn't even bother to tell you something interesting. They just say like, oh, well, he's a secular saint. That's enough for you meatheads, right? That'll get you by. 
Andy Dufresne is the ultimate American self-insert character. He's a Gary Stew. He's an upper middle class white guy who doesn't lose his temper, who's better than his enemies, and most importantly, who's the real victim because he did nothing wrong. Literally, whoever you are, you know that guy. And demographically speaking, chances are if you're watching this movie, you are that guy or you want to believe that you're that guy. So you like that guy in spite of the fact that he's a fucking alien. And he doesn't give in to despair. And he doesn't once react like people. He just puts his head down and keeps on working on his plan to get his life straightened out. And the only thing that keeps that from seeming fundamentally insane is the fact that it works because the plot can just decide it works. And just to be on the safe side, the movie absolutely makes sure to tell you that you are okay if you've been watching it without stopping to think about how you're identifying sympathetically with the double murderer. Because it stops literally everything to introduce a new character whose only purpose is to establish that Andy is capital G good and the warden is capital E evil. A great movie would have left things maybe a little ambiguous, maybe challenged you with the fact that you were falling, maybe not in love, but with sympathy with a man you couldn't be sure wasn't a double murderer. A great movie might suggest that that's what rehabilitation is about. And maybe challenged you to think about what prison's purpose is. A great movie could have presented you with a warden who you could luxuriate in despising and had enough confidence to maybe make the origin or purpose of his evil ambiguous or justified. But this isn't a great movie. It's wet, hot American jail term or meatballs for mission to sing sing. So it straight up tells you. Andy is innocent, and the warden, who already tolerates sodomy as extrajudicial punishment, who already embezzles, he's already a hypocritical god-botherer, he's a real murderer. I so love the Meatballs talking- 4 reference, by the way. What a what, No one gave it yeah, that franchise. Nobody thinks it's a franchise. It is. The first one's so bad that anyone with common sense has discounted it from their hard drive. But it's a uh, boy. That was a, that's a I love that esoteric cut. Well done. And look, that not not great. to not to like start biting on my other gig here, but Gorp, Dennis Quaid movie, Gorp, better than meatballs. And that's what Wet Hot is ripping off way more. So if you like the Wet Hot gags, like see them the first time when they were called Gorp. <laughs> Sorry, I'd like I got a little Wet Hot bitterness. I got to work through it <laughs> anyway. As long as we're talking about a movie that labors to make you feel safe from reality, let's mention the fact that you don't have to reckon with race at all in this, which is a pretty fucking neat trick for a film set in prison in America. Probably the biggest tell of all, like you already mentioned this, Red used to be an Irishman. The only thing that makes Red a black guy is Morgan Freeman's playing him. Right? (laughs) And then, so, okay. It does kind of deal with race because uh, it's set in Maine and the one clearly the one black guy in Maine, they immediately throw in jail. So, I mean, it right. raises a lot of questions. Uh, check that. Fun fact number seven, actually. The guy yells fresh fish, fresh fish when the bus pulls in. None other than Morgan Freeman's son also used in his Morgan Freeman's younger mugshot. So, yeah, two. two. And they're <laughs> both in jail. I yeah. find that criminal. And then the quartermaster guy who hands out the clean blankets that use it, yeah. like Red uses as a smuggling system, also a black guy. So we got three black guys in prison. 50% of the black population of Maine is in jail. You know, that's a problem. One of them was visiting from New Hampshire, but got arrested. In <laughs> Didn't have it had a taillight that was out. Yeah. yeah. He tried to live free and they threatened to kill him. That's. <laughs> 
All right. So anyway, as long as we're talking about Red, all right, Red, all we know about the movie, you know, like all we know from the movie is that Red is Andy's best friend out of a group of friends. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a lot of friends, I words I would use for people who watched me get raped for several years and didn't left a fucking finger about it. But friend would probably not be one of them. Like Red is Andy's friend for the same reason that Andy is good. The movie tells you they're friends. Otherwise, this is every other thing that you see of them for like the first half of the movie is a transaction. That's a friendship. Anyway, speaking of hold on, I'll, I'll I'll just devil's advocate for a hot second. Let's just play the the safe card and assume Red's in his sixties. Is that a fair guess? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Although you know the movie like with the age plus sixty, maybe they mean him to be like forty five. I don't think we ever get a date on his incarceration. They well, showed they, it in the mugshot. They, they show oh, it there. Okay. I'm not doing the math. I didn't do the math. I'll just we'll also assume sixties. What is an old black guy who in his sixties going to do against three much younger spry guys with one thing on their mind, penetrating b holes? He's just like, hey, man, good luck. That's not my fight. I'm not going to be much use for you. Besides, he's going to get taken to task and probably killed if he uh, intervenes. I don't see him able to throw up the uh, the protection you know, abilities and save Andy. So I'm not I, I see that, but I just don't think it's it's plausible. Also, let's, let's just look at the visuals right behind Kev. That's not the most imposing prison game in the world. There's right. Bill, yeah, you know, there's just, Bill Schultz yeah, and there's me. I know. Yeah, but you, Bill Sadler is a real asshole. He's a real asshole in every film. That's why he's good. But again, he's five foot seven or five foot eight. I actually did look at his uh, height. The rest of those guys, they look like they dance with two left feet and throw punches like Lamar Luttrell from Revenge of the Nerds. So I don't I don't see them throwing fisticuffs with, uh, again, butthole hungry rapists. Again, another punk band we should all be on the lookout for. They're Bill Sadler's got the physique for anal integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Sadler's got the physique to play death. He pulled off death. I was a convincing death. I don't think I don't see who you're lining up to cast ahead of him for death. I think I think he's, he can be a muscle guy. He was a colonel in uh, Die Hard Two, right? Obviously yep. got the physique to pull off like Army Ranger type guy. I think, I think he's in there throwing some some haymakers. I think he's got the, the you know it's not just red, right? It's the false mold. All right, it's the full. It's not just red, it's the force multiplier of the whole gang descending at once. Yeah. Again, <laughs> but I see those guys taking one no, shot and going down, and that's it. occupied yeah. the gym the whole time, I guarantee it. Probably. Anyway, look, speaking of the sisters, I just wanted to point out the only part of the movie that really seems like reality is intruding is the, the sisters' stuff. And this movie is 142 minutes long. All the sisters' stuff is done by minute 46. The actual runtime of Andy being in any real sustained danger is 20 minutes out of 144 with that remaining 96 minutes of the movie in which Andy is effectively just at summer camp. You could watch all of Anchorman and still have two minutes of prison hijinks left over. Jesus Christ, John Nash. I mean, this is more, this is the biggest breakdown of mathematically of screen time I've seen yet, but that's uh, I'll tip my cap to you for that. Okay, I'm not going to get granularly into the plot because like, we don't have the time and I know I'm going long. There's not a, a lot of reason to bother with it either. It's pretty much procedural. It's like the procedure is let's get out of prison and keep it secret from the audience. It's iterative tasks that need tending to. They're thwarted. We got to find a new solution. It's honestly incredible that there isn't a Shawshank Redemption video game. Like you grind <laughs> all night 
with your stone hammer to get XP that you can exchange for yard points to pull off and embarrass the warden side quest before you hit that warp pipe that takes you all the way to Ziwataneo. That was Sounds about bad. as well as ET. I was going to say it's dumb. <laughs> Man, Bill, damn you. I was going to say, what's a real bad ET game for Atari? Damn you, snake me, job. <laughs> Okay, but just to say we tried, we'll take two iconic scenes from the movie. Just picture any two in your head and tell me that I'm at, not at least half right on picking scenes here. The first, Red's final parole monologue. Now, I think we're all grown up enough here to understand what I'm saying when I say get arrested, get imprisoned, go before a parole board and deliver your own version of a what the fuck is the point? You're going to make up your own mind anyway, so fuck it monologue and see how well that works out for you. The second is the rooftop scene, which I think most people like that, you know, when they talk about this movie and they talk about like an iconic moment, they wind up talking about this one. Andy interrupts Clancy Brown's corrupt, violent prison guard, Byron Hadley, and suggests he knows a way that Hadley can keep all his money tax free. Now, the one thing, the one thing this movie has told you over and over again is that Andy Dufresne is a smart calculating character who is always steps ahead of everyone else. So in pitching this scheme, when he's already being told to step back and get the fuck back to work, Andy leads with, do you trust your wife? Not the money, <laughs> not the thing the guy's already talking about. No, instead he confronts a violent hothead used to getting verbally taunted by inmates and asks him a question easily misinterpreted as being about his wife's fidelity. It's only when Andy's about to get tossed off the roof that he even brings up the topic of conversation. So I guess that's the one thing that Andy Dufresne couldn't plan perfectly. And it just so happened to come in the form of a violent scene that the movie wouldn't have had if he just said, I could show you how to keep 100% of your settlement. The movie needs a tense scene with something like action as a punctuation. So they took the main character they didn't even bother to give a personality to. Just one trait. And they had him throw his one character trait out the window for an excuse to get us to the roof's edge. They had a one note character and at a critical hinge point for the entire plot, they couldn't play one note. All right. Wow. Bottom line, since I don't want to be granular about it, bottom line, you, me, and everyone else watches Shawshank for the same reason you watch James Bond movies. Not because they're ever more than half good, but because they were on TNT and TBS three times each weekend for nearly 30 years of our lives. <laughs> and if you think I'm exaggerating why this movie is popular, you need to understand one thing. Ted Turner owns this movie. The number one reason this movie is so many people's favorite is because two years before this movie ended its theatrical run, Turner acquired Castle Rock Entertainment and the broadcast rights to its catalog, meaning Ted Turner could pay himself virtually nothing to air Shawshank three times every weekend and basically collect 100% profit on nearly 100 ad spots per broadcast. To you, this movie might feel like your childhood, but from the outside, it's just a business plan with free money written on the cover. This movie bombed in theaters, and TNT <clears throat> is ultimately responsible for why it became ubiquitous, and they're relentlessly slapping that free money button is why you have nostalgia for it. It was fine. It's a fine movie. It pressed basically satisfactory narrative buttons, and it was on all the fucking time. Liking this movie... <laughs> taps into the same impulse you have when you're a little bit drunk and a little bit nostalgic and you start looking up YouTubes for like TV commercials that were local to you constantly when you were a kid. It's this for-profit enterprise invested with meaning because you wrote the meaning onto it because you almost didn't have a choice. At its best, 
Shawshank is like if TBS ran a block called Academy Award nominated movies for guys who like movies. It's basically your regular dude's rock diet, slightly tweaked to make you feel a little more refined and discerning without ever being challenged watching a buddy caper that's maybe half buddy and only about a quarter caper. It's the film equivalent of taking a Bud Light and adding brown to it. So you think it's some kind of elevated microbrew, despite tasting like cheap lager with brown added. They need to put that on the DVD cover once and for all. The Shawshank Redemption is the yangling of movies. (laughs) Everyone in Pennsylvania just snapped a pencil in anger. (laughs) But you know what? Is that what happens? I agree. Work all right. all right. Well, Jeb, sounds like you've landed this plane. All right, unless you have any more points, do you want to? That's uh, it. <laughs> give me a number one to ten. I, I mean, look, is it better than average? Obviously. Is it great? Like people are, you know, this is my point. It's not a nine. It's not a ten. Is it a six? If you put it on, is it going to give you more than it takes away? Yeah. So it's a six. So that's it. That's right. it. Wow. Bill Schultz, there is more than enough ammunition here. You're like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando as he straps up every piece of ammo to him and knife and rocket launcher and everything for this argument. So let her rip. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, I'll be relatively brief because of the war and peace amount of uh, comments we had from the viewers. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I would say that there is absolutely uh, rehabilitation, but it's not for Andy. It is for Red. He goes from being institutionalized to wiling away his days in Zewatneu uh, and does do a little bit of an arc there. And in the case of Andy, uh, I really do think this. This isn't even a bad joke. I believe that his character was supposed to be on the spectrum back in a time where we never used the phrase uh, on the spectrum. And in Stephen King world, uh, the only cure for Asperger's is to spend half of your life in prison. Uh, as odd as that might seem, where he all of a sudden finds himself, finds friends, finds his, his reason for living, and realizes that even though he didn't pull the trigger, maybe he did kill his wife. Um, I also think that this is probably the greatest guy movie to have so few women. There are quite literally two speaking roles 
from unnamed women in the entire movie. And yet any dude worth his shit, worth his weight in frat will tell you that this is one of his favorite movies, despite all the sodomy. Speaking of sodomy, <laughs> I also will say that um, this thing redefines the hero's arc, the hero's journey from a thing that we all know and see from time immemorial to a hero's journey being having to live through, um, I, I, having to live in a cell for periods on end, isolated, being isolated in a cell for months on end, having to be raped endlessly, having to be brutalized, having your best friend shot. And then finally, as I've previously mentioned, walking through almost a mile's worth of shit to finally reach your goal. I mean, that changes everything as far as a hero's journey is concerned. Mm -hmm. Therein is one of the bigger platforms, though, that I never hear mentioned, and it is when just three hits of a rock goes through in a, a, a an actual an actual sewer system containing the shit of thousands of prisoners. All it takes is Andy's spindling little arms and one rock, and there goes the hole and the volcano crap that comes out of it. Um, but it is one of those movies that is very rare to do, particularly when it's based on a Stephen King novel, where I remember and maybe part of it was because I was a lot younger, where I really thought that this would be a prison movie without a break. I thought Andy would probably die. I thought Red was definitely gonna die because let's face it, it was at a time where most of the black people died. And I could not have been more overjoyed when things actually unbelievably went well for them. And the revenge was so sweet because he had such a great, unassuming looking bad guy. I mean, his, um, his, 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 his um, actual gift to that movie cannot be underestimated. I actually equate him and the name of the actor escapes me with Lon Shanks and Braveheart, uh, which was a huge success, but uh, really one of the more, uh, Lon Shanks is another one of those most underrated bad guys in movie history. He just eats up screen every scene that he's in and progressively gets worse and worse as the movie progresses. Uh, I know always uh, there are a lot of criticisms of the holes in the movie, and there are many, uh, including a Surgeon General's warning on Marlboro's, yep. uh, guys, that didn't happen in the late 50s and 60s. But um, I just, I, I just, I'd seen a lot of prison movies at the time, um, insert Kevin line here, and I just <laughs> never seen anything like that. And, uh, <laughs> And it really did blow me away. And yes, I'm sure TNT has a big reason for that. And I will give Jeb a lot of credit. I now feel terrible that I have contributed to um, <laughs> to, to like the uh, the fourth ranch of Ted Turner's in Montana. But um, that would be my diatribe. Go ahead. Jeff. Bill, give me a one to ten. Oh, it's a ten. Oh, that argument did nothing to change your thoughts on this film. Well, I love the argument, but I have to tell you, the camp analogy made me love it more. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he, and it, you, you managed to secure a Meatballs 4 reference in there, and that also <laughs> made, made me smirk you upon You got to write this up. Yeah. This is all uh, golden prose. These notes, again, brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. Grab a hat, mug, shirt. Cell phone holder. Yeah, they're on there, too, as well. Listen, five star rating, two or three sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you want to say hi or advertise with us, you know how to get a hold of me. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com notes. 
When the film opens up with Tim Robbins sitting in his car, staring off into space, I can only assume he's thinking about one thing and one thing only. And that is his then wife's Susan Sarandon's amazing tits. Can't fault him there. Before they were droopy. We uh, just did Rocky Horror Picture Show and I go, holy, I never saw it until then. And holy shit. She's fantastic. The perp walk of the incoming prisoners must have been similar to the number of 23-year-old dudes coming to Kevin Spacey's home to, quote-unquote, read for a role. <laughs> fresh fish, fresh fish. Warden Norton and Captain Hadley are two of the most under-the-radar villains in movie history. No one talks about them being colossal dickholes, but boy, do, they do those stars still shine or what? Clancy Brown obviously went to the same police brutality school as Derek Chauvin did. <laughs> he does not give a shit. Tones them up, but good with that stick. I'm pretty sure Bill Schultz had to readjust his shorts several times when all the prisoners were getting hosed and deloused in the shower. Ugh, brought back bad memories. If I was going to jail, I would be practicing how to pick handcuffs with a paper clip the minute I got pronounced guilty at my courtroom hearing. I would be MacGyvering that shit so I could jump off the bus faster than Richard Kibble did with the threat of death by anal raping. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there all calm like it's like, oh, we're going to get a cookie if we stick around for this. I'd be like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Getting raped by the sisters in the shower is almost as bad as watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show on an endless loop. Almost. <laughs> I guess I have to release this episode after Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> it's amazing how a room full of prisoners in 1950 something go ape shit for Rita Hayworth just simply flipping her hair. In 2023, a woman squirts while two dudes are in her in her butt at the same time, and no one bats an eye. Except, <laughs> except Kamala Harris. She's busy taking notes. Boggs looks like James Kahn's retarded brother. <laughs> yeah. If you were in jail, fellas, my question is this: What would you try to what would you try to sneak in besides pocket pussies, amyl nitrate, and every version of ESPN jock jams on cassette tape? I like that you put amyl nitrate in there. That's that's thinking ahead. That's, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What would yeah. you boys try to have snuck in there? Um, uh, I mean, I kind of want an iPod, so like I could just sample everybody's desert island discs like you know <laughs> and just see if they worked fair schultz let me guess I'm, I'm 17 17 poppers. So, so, as to, so as to help your butthole for the rape that you you know you're gonna have you've already you've already given up on the whole i'm not gonna get raped thing yeah, stop being so coy later. bill stop being so coy you know damn well what the hell that is <laughs> I would smuggle in Morgan Freeman and I would, start a library, I would start a library at my prison. And in exchange for starting the library, Morgan Freeman would have to read aloud every book to me at night. And it would be a live in my cell book on tape. I love that idea. From the most dulcet tones ever to come out of a actor's mouth. And I would get to hear it every night. I'd see if someone could also sneak in Nintendo with every single cartridge I owned as a kid. That's a lot of that's a, your ass does not have that kind of space. Or actually, my hacked NES classic, which has 700 games downloaded on it. That's better. You're in jail, but you're playing Jackal. <laughs> Jackal. Yeah, I'll play a car. Yeah, I'll play a car warriors till my fucking thumbs fall off, which it will because it's an endless game. 
if you if you can buy off the guards by doing their taxes, why not have them offer protection from boners going into your butt? It took that long for Andy the refrain to say, hey, guys, bring in your W-2s. And by the way, guess who's never getting <laughs> guess who's behind hymen? That's butt hymen is going to be per, uh, punctured again. You guys kind of touch on this. Bob Gutton played a warden in two films. This and Warden William Smithers and Demolition. Man, what a classic that is. I stand on the mountaintop and say, come all you haters. I'll fuck you all up if you try and hate on Demolition, man. Film is timeless and beautiful. Also about to turn 30 years old this year. Can you believe that? Oh, God damn. Are we getting old? (laughs) Brooks eyebrows are thicker than Andy Dufresne's cell walls. Yes. Yeah, he's got the Muppet brows. Oh, that's yeah. Mickey. That person's Andy Rooney. Yeah, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You got me again on this snake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really weird. AZT <laughs> in prisons. I mean, what's the point? I have rubber band guns to keep rapists away from me. Pew, pew, pew. I was looking I through like my Andy cell Rooney today and stuff. I noticed something. Yeah. <laughs> why, do we, why do we have to carry our soap to the shower? Why isn't it in your cell? Who I feel been- like Andy Rooney had a stuffed crow in his office. Yeah. Hold on. Big, big, biggest eyebrows. Andy Rooney, uh, Brooks, John Madden, or Peter Gallagher, the actor, or Eugene Levy. There's a five for you right there. There's a wow. Pentagon. Wow. Is that oh. not a, a circle of death match or what? Wait, hit me those. Hit, what, what are those names again? Brooks from this film. John Madden. Uh, mm. Andy Rooney. Eugene Levy. And Peter Gallagher. I feel like it's got to be between Madden and, and Rooney. Pretty good. Yeah. Guess what? There are no losers in this game. You get oh, hit by a Madden a- eyebrow. We call that a decleater. That's yeah. Boom. Speed kills. That's what we say. <laughs> you know who's up there eyebrow wise is Trump. He's quietly got some hairy ones. They're sort yeah. of like arched up a little bit. I mean, those, those those caterpillars are not those. Those are junior caterpillars <laughs> compared to those other guys we just mentioned. It's amazing how Andy fought tooth and nail just to get books into his library. But in 2023, prisoners have access to Internet and flat screen TVs. Maybe I got to rethink this Morgan Freeman smuggling thing. Let's yeah. hope that compound media doesn't close because Bill may hang himself across the street at Sullivan's while Colvett carving Schultz was here into a wooden beam above the bar. I would fight underneath it. <laughs> I like how the one of the guards said and brought back the line, pinch a loaf. We need to return this to the lexicon of today. Pinch a loaf. Yeah, yeah. No one, you know, no that, one, no one says that. The thing that. is, like, you're supposed to like that guy, right? And then up until, like, I like that guy because he's being nice to Andy and he smiles. And then, like, Hadley stares him down. He's like, oh, I wasn't smiling. There's no victory here. And he's like, I'm going to go pinch a loaf. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I don't care yeah. what happens to you now. Yeah. I'm going to spray some real over this toilet here, huh, guys? Am I right? (laughs) Andy, you should come in here and see. I had to stand up to pinch this baby off. (laughs) Too far? I'm sure. I think the song choice Andy Dufresne made could have been better because if you would have played the Blue Oyster Bar theme from Police Academy, all the (laughs) prisoners... That hit Jeb right between the eyes. (laughs) Thank you. If you'd have played that theme, all the prisoners would have dropped everything, including raping, and started waltzing with each other in the yard. <laughs> it's, it's going to be on a loop in my head until I go to sleep. 
And then Red walks in. I don't. The, the ward walks in. I don't see a salad bar. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's going to be a video clip for the week. I promise you. Sidebar, I would love to know if any prisoner did a letter writing campaign like Andy did to get any kind of prison loot. Google did not show me anything when I did that in my 14 seconds of research on that question. Hey, what hobbies would you boys develop in prison besides showering in under 17 seconds? <laughs> I wrote yeah. down uh, I wrote down getting jacked and learn uh, be amazing at chess and uh, learning how to give sweet-ass prison tattoos. Yeah, instead of, like, rehabilitating prisoners, they really just work on making them absolutely yoked and then right. send them back out of the public when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. My, go my goal is to be the white tiny from Friday when I come out of jail if I were to go. Nice. <laughs> Debo, sorry, Debo. His name's Tiny Lister, but Debo yeah. from Friday. You got the point. It's great to see. This is great writing. And here's my, one of my favorite examples. Andy having to start that, uh, starting to form a quasi-friendly relationship with the warden. And then the warden yanks that metaphorical dog chain by killing the Elvis lookalike and then throwing Andy in the hole for two months after. Oh, what a sadistic shitbox. Oh, forgot about that when I saw this. Oh, yeah. The amount of insane planning done by Andy almost rivals anyone's patience my add would kick in if i was in jail and i'd be knocking out fat ass bricks so fast i would get caught but when you're in jail for that long you've got all the time in the world to plan but again me i would just be like all right i gotta get going this is bullshit <laughs> how is a singular rock able to break break through that shit pipe with three bangs i think you need a, something a little bit stronger and Bill, you said it, 500 yards is not shy of half a mile. 880 yards is half a mile. And he, he depends on what he meant by shy. This is, this is the John Nash part coming around. It's not just me. Yeah, I know. It's contagious. Swimming through, swimming through all that shit must have made Andy and prime contender to become a Chicago White Sox fan. Oh, man. That's just... I haven't even seen what the Mets score is yet. So or Oakland A's fan, because it yeah. just leaks at the Coliseum. So. Yeah. Andy takes a bar of soap with him, and in order to scrub that shit smell off of him, he'd have to soap and scrub for two days straight. No one's buying his waltzes into town and not smelling like he just came off the Staten Island ferry and saying, I'm here to close my account out without someone going, an Ernest P. Worrell from Ernest Goes to Camp. How did he not die from methane inhalation? And that small, uh, and that small pipe and all you're doing is breathing in shit, he would die from that. Or dehydration from puking every 4.3 oh. steps. Ugh. I'm pretty sure, damn you, Jeb, you stole this one from me. I'm pretty sure that I don't give a fuck soliloquy in front of the parole board is going to get you released. That devil-may-care attitude does not work for people who work for the state. <laughs> By the way, another little point of contention. We all know the papers would not print out the warden's crime until the police actually came to arrest him because then the warden could just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been hilarious if Andy and Red walk up to each other in Zinwatanehu and start making out and then fucking on that boat just to throw a curveball to that audience. That was the original ending. I forgot about that. That's what happens in the book. <laughs> Because everyone is like, this is the best bromance film ever. If they would have just could have done the uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain moment, they would, this would have yeah. been dropped off of everyone's uh, college dorm wall. 
Yeah, they go to embrace passionately as they're already unbuckling and then slams to black and then... Red walks in, I don't see a salad bar again. <laughs> we don't need one. Recreating the scene from, from here to eternity on the beach. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. I'm glad someone finally had the balls to come attack this movie on this podcast. You know why? Because I get to tell you how fucking wrong you are because this film is perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. There's zero fat. The story is fantastic. Yes. There are a few itsy bitsy plot holes. Yes, Andy Dufresne, not the bash. He's not Jim Carrey on a living color excitement. He's an accountant book nerd. We get it. The characters in here, the supporting cast, good enough. Morgan Freeman, okay. Supporting cast, those other guys sucked except for William Sadler. No big, not going to memorize them, uh, remember them, uh, nor, yeah. uh, or, nor Brooks is good too. But these have some of the biggest asshole villains no one ever mentions. I just told you those two perfect cases of that. How they getting, you know, getting liberal with the night sick every two seconds. This uh, Pulp Fiction should have won the Oscar in 94. This should have dunked all over that boomer nostalgic Down Syndrome hero known as Forrest Gump. This film is a 10 out of 10. It's wow. very unfair. They came in here very biased. They don't. They're not going to change. They're not going to listen. They're not going to change. But Lord, Lord, I didn't read. I, I didn't read these to not influence you guys. But it's amazing, Lord Snurts. You know us so well. He 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 predicted our scores. He did this with the, with the last episode. He said I would give it a nine and a half. So close. He said Bill would give it a nine point eight, and he said Jeb, you'd give it a six. Wow, pretty close. I mean, wow. I mean, if he's not working, if he's not working at a traveling circus, guessing height and weight, he's really missing his calling. Yeah. God, cold reading the guy is not even there. That's bold. Let's see what those elbow patch pipe smoking asshole critics have to say about this one. Critics, five star reviews. Unmarketable upon box office release, Darabount's master tanked and seemed destined to obscurity only after the video release of Shawshank. Did it reap its praise so richly deserved? Is it one of the greatest movies ever made? Without a doubt, yes. Hmm. Which is funny, though. Whenever I, people ask me my top five or top ten, I, it does not make my top five. And I have to think sometimes it may make the top ten. It makes the top 20 for sure, but I still love it. Although I prefer other films that are less than a 10 here. Whatever. Why am I editorializing? I already did my stuff. The most overrated movie of all time still offers much to enjoy. Oh, no, no, dear critic. We're not talking about Forrest Gump. We're talking about Shawshank. A masterclass in pretty much every category. An incredible script, wonderful direction, gorgeous score, and phenomenal performances by Freeman and Robbins. Cinema does not get any better than this. The score Neither is, of us mentioned the score. The score I was just going to... It yeah. is. Especially when he escapes... Oh, that's God, good. Yeah. Powerful. They, they do a lot of soft piano tones, like doom, 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 kind of in these introspective bits. And then that wound up being like the introspective music in so many TV series. I don't know if it's just like, if it's straight up cribbed or it's just sound alike, but like every episode of House that had like a moment where they were reflective played that soundtrack. And they didn't even mention uh, Roger Deakins, who did the cinematography, which is me. He's in, you know, he's working with confinement. He did a really great job. And that he, he did a great job. And the final scene, I'm not crying. You're crying. Top notch, 
Top notch critical reviews we're getting here, kids. Critics, one star reviews. The problem with the film's fabulistic floosiness, I love alliteration, someone knows a way that are my heart, is that it also asks for investment in the harsh realities of its prison area to buy the, la- the later Andy and Red push for freedom. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Nothing. Word soup. This next one hit it right in the nose, I thought. Beaches for straight men. (laughs) I laughed too. In truth, it's the purest Hollywood hokum, a sunny heart tugging him to that old chestnut, the indomitability of the human spirit. I would love to see what this person wrote about Forrest Gump and Remember the Titans, because I guarantee those are the same notes played in that. Of the human spirit, it's got to be the most overused line in any online movie review of all time. (laughs) It wanders down subplots at every opportunity and it ignores an abundance of narrative exit points before settling on the aforementioned finale. I'll take what the fuck does that mean for 600? It means it's two hours and 22 minutes. Why? I don't know. He didn't mention time, Jeb. That's you (laughs) trying to pull facts out of your ass. For want to be facts. Amazon five star reviews. Not sure how much I pay for this. Don't care. One of my favorite movies ever. My favorite Stephen King adaptation by far. My grandmother loved this movie. At ninety plus, she watched it all the time on mute. Parentheses because of the profanity. Such a great story. My question is, well, then how the hell can Helen Keller know if it's a good film if she has it on mute? Hmm. I found out about this movie by reading a comment from a San Antonio Spur fan. I love the Spurs, too. He was talking about talking about how catharsis, he means cathartic, it was to see the Spurs redeeming themselves after they gift wrapped and gave the Miami Heat and Queen James their title last year in 2013 and finally winning what belongs to them 2013 in a pure beatdown fashion. And it reminded them of the movie Shawshank Redemption signed Detlef Schrempf. Wow. I, I feel like this is Bill Simmons review. Under yeah. Assume name. Yeah. That should have been part of my argument. Like if you're still, if your favorite movie is the one shared by the guy who's been like a Holy cross sophomore, masturbation enthusiast <laughs> for a quarter century like maybe it's time to get something that's got some foreign languages in it or i don't know subtitles yeah just try a little harder come on but just don't say the artist because no one's ever watched that film again <laughs> brilliant should have won best picture in 1994 instead of that sentimental hogwash forrest gump there is no comparison i don't know how the academy could give forrest gump best picture over this movie it just doesn't make sense Morgan Freeman or Tim Robbins should have received best actor. They gave it to Tom Hanks for Forrest Gump. Sorry, but don't mean to dump on Gump. But in no way is it up to Shawshank Redemption in any manner, shape, or form. But we can't we can't change the past, so we move on. Signed, Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Last one. Gift. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Amazon, one-star reviews. I cannot stand this movie. They are trying so hard to make a new Godfather, but it is not working. The lighting is too bright, even during the prison rape scenes. The the music is too dramatic. The acting is overdrawn. The lines are too clear and crisp. 
The sound effects are 10 times more dramatic than necessary. In short, it is cheap and obvious as a soap opera. Even the foul language is not convincing. It is made for idiots. I don't think Bill Schultz had a problem with the well-lit prison rape scenes. More anal gaping for him to cast his eyes on. Right, Bill? You know what? I cash out after the Spurs fan review. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and the Godfather's a soap opera. Like, what are you talking about? It's like it's yeah. like an opera version of the Mafia. That isn't even real either. What do you? Uh, the sound of the, the sound effects are ten Fine. times more dramatic. That's stupid. The music is too dramatic. Really, we just talked about how subtle it was and perfectly placed. People are dumb. It is next one. It is his hatred of a woman that makes him a, a transgressive. It is the intent, his sin of thought, not an actual deed, which strengthens prison as a metaphor for his burgeoning homosexuality. Many viewers have taken this sufficient signal that the film is not homosexual. However, Dufresne uses one of these posters to cover up the hole he has picked out of the prison wall and used to escape the prisoner's sewer. Here, the escape through the sewer is an obvious symbol for anal sex. A sewer is a long tube that contains human waste like an anus. Dramatically, the rock flies through the poster, exposing Dufresne's heterosexual utterance as paper thin with nothing to back it. Red uses the money to travel to Dufresne's secret location in Mexico, where the two reunite on a sandy beach next to the ocean. That is how the film ends. Dufresne and Red finally find their homosexual paradise, a place where their love can be consummated outside of quote-unquote prison, where their homosexuality does not make them transgressors in the eyes of society. That is a lot to unfudge pack here, gentlemen. Uh, who wrote this? Kevin Kevin Spacey's neighbor in American Beauty? That I love that. That's yeah. making me rethink everything. That yeah, I, is I, fantastic. I it's like somebody just got out of their freshman critical theory class and they're like, what can I go fuck up now? And they yeah. just saw like somebody had a Shawshank DVD and they're like, I'm going in. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Red five, I'm going in. Yeah, I think this person is one of those Bible thumpers that said, you know what, this is too gay for me and uh, had their way with it. Yeah, just navigated straight down that trench toward that thermal exhaust port. Boom. (laughs) Great shot, kid. That was a one in a million. (laughs) Two more. One's long, one is not. Next one. I don't care how good this movie is reported to be. I will not watch violence. Signed, Chuck Norris. (laughs) Why would you give it one star if you know you don't like violence? That's not a fair. God, I love getting into the logic of Amazon one star wars. This guy takes the cake for batshit human needs to be on a watch list. Ready? Ever since I got fired for McDonald's for sleeping in the bathroom, my first and only entire <laughs> shift. <laughs> I decided that I would watch movies until I got my next job. Anywho. On to Samuel L. Jackson and Dan Aykroyd. They've never been really good actors to begin with. And this movie doesn't seem to have a plot at all. The plot and actors seem very one-dimensional and lack any sort of emotion or acting talent. I bet the script was written with people who are drunk off sparkling apple cider, LOLs. Parentheses, it only takes me two sips and I'm a little tipsy myself, unparentheses. And the entire jail slash criminal justice thing has been overplayed since day one. One. Come on, give us a break, folks. In what country do people get sentenced to life or beat up in prison? Not in the USA. Double smiley face. We are free here. Police here. (laughs) This guy. Oh, oh, wait. There's more. Police here are scrutinized for what? They're good-hearted people and would never shot or hurt an innocent man. Smiley face. 
Anywho, I didn't have the stomach to watch this after it showed a man get beaten by police, something that would never happen in real life. The plot itself seems very fictional. They should have hired a better director and definitely a better cast. Why didn't they cast good actors like iCarly, Jason Biggs, or even Carrot Top? <laughs> you had me until uh, the Jason Biggs one. That I was all in until that line, and I said, I'm tapping out just like you, Bill. Who wouldn't want to see Carrot Top get prison raped, though? I'm into this. <laughs> By iCarly. He's he is like just diesel. You're not gonna fuck with Carrot Top. You yeah, see that guy right. with the shirt up? Yeah, he's yeah, one of the right. sisters. Yeah, <laughs> he's out raping fuckers. Now for our new segment, and I had to, I, I keep this to three jokes now for reasons you'll find out. Who's funnier, Chat GPT or KG? Why did Andy Dufresne? By the way, I asked Chat GPT to write three jokes about the movie The Shawshank Redemption. That is the basis of this. Why did Andy Dufresne always win at chess in Shawshank Prison? Because he was a master at checkmate escapes. Wow. Hmm. (laughs) What was the favorite game of the inmates in Shawshank Prison? Hide and seek because they're all experts at hiding their contraband. Wow. Yeah. How did Tommy become the funniest cell guy in Shawshank Prison? He spent a lot of time perfecting his hilarious routines. This is ChatGPT. Listen, Skynet's going to rule the world eventually, but goddamn, comedy will KG. never be one of those things. KG eighteen ChatGPT goose egg. Bill Schultz did Jeb Lund got the sacred cow. Well, he didn't for me, obviously. I gave it a 10, but uh, <laughs> I will say he, he did. I, I, I really I enjoyed his overall uh, monologue so much that I like it was a spiritual gutting. I don't know. I, I, I want it both ways. I'm Aww. delirious at this point. This has been longer than Shashank. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. We have another hour before that happens. I will also uh, deny the gutting. Uh, we both gave it 10s. and We didn't budge. But listen, entertaining is all hell. Again, yes. Meatballs that's 4, true. Meatballs 4 reference. That still is going to go on the uh, on the quote board for me. Fantastic job, Jed. I appreciate that. Everybody, thanks again. I hope you had a rip-roaring good time with me and my pal Bill, and we'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.